So I would love to sit up here by myself. I love a microphone. I love the stage. Not really dancing, but um, I've decided that I shouldn't be up here alone, so I'm going to invite my posse to come on up. expecting that. Me neither. Me neither. Hello everyone. It's so awesome to be here as we do a VBS kickoff for this week. I'm so excited because we have so much things going on this week for VBS, for the students, for the helpers, and uh, we're so awesome. So we want to take this time during our worship service to uh, go into the scripture because scripture actually helps us as parents and to see what we can do with our children. So I'm gonna go invite you to please open up to Deuteronomy chapter six. I'm gonna be reading verses five through seven, and then we'll continue on with today's message. I was wondering why it was a little dark. Give me a moment. Can you? I know, I know. Here we go. That's a lot, yeah, it's a lot better. All right. Yeah, let me stretch it out. Yeah, there it is right there. Okay. So Deuteronomy 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 7 says this. You must love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in this passage, it shows at least two responsibilities for parents, uh, for everyone really, but because we're dealing with parents today and, and how we can help you, is dealing with a loving God and how to provide some guidelines in training up your children. So really, verse six, five and six, it says to set us, to let us set an example when you walk with God. So really, it all begins with you. So Mike and Amy, uh, you have two children, and you got two boys, all right, amen. So what kind of uh, things have you intentionally set an example as they were growing up, or even providing some practical ways of setting examples? Well, I think the first thing that everybody needs to know is that we were not perfect parents gotcha. at all. Gotcha. And our boys were certainly not perfect. No. <laughs> but um, they're 27 and 25 now, so I feel like they're, they're on their own. We've done something right. The lot of God's help. So one of the things that we recognized early on is that they're not our children, that God gave us Taylor and Ross as a gift, and he had a plan for them. And it was our job to help them figure out what that plan is. Gotcha. And for me, my parents taught me that um, church is where you go to get equipped. 
And so me as an adult, I actually remember uh, much of the, the teaching in my faith journey from when I was in church as a child and then as a teenager, and there were adults that made a lasting impression on me, Mr. Hal and uh, the, the Debbie and Rick Kohler and so on and so forth. And so church was a place to grow, and my attitude was church for our boys was a non-negotiable. But it wasn't a non-negotiable because church is where our faith is. It was, we are invested in a little bit about our family. So we're invested in karate. So we go to karate two, three times a week. We've been doing it as a family for 20 uh, plus years. Uh, they both were involved in marching bands. So they showed up every Saturday and they invested the time and competed. So church was no different for us, which was to invest in your faith journey was to make that commitment to coming to where to be learned. And for me, I didn't care. This is how I grew up. Um, you could stay out as late as you want on a Saturday night, oh but you better be in the car ready to go at sun, on Sunday morning. On Sunday. And that's how we did with our boys. So uh, when they did sleepovers, they brought their friends along or, or other things. Gotcha. So that's definitely setting an example. Even if uh, late at night on Saturday, you still got to come on Sunday morning. That is correct. All right. Okay. Well, good. So part of that is, uh, again, it begins with us as parents setting the example, coming to church, bringing them to uh, Kidman, bringing them to Apex Youth Ministries. Uh, so part of the example, when we read in that verse, uh, it says, talk about them. Uh, talk, talk about them when they are at home and when they are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are, are getting up. So it's a responsibility to teach. All right. So the, the next part is to teach your children. So what ways are you think about teaching the children? So one of the things that we did early on when our children were little was when we were traveling, we would listen to um, some Christian music. So we weren't totally godly. Gotcha. Is that shocking? <laughs> it shouldn't be. Um, we listened to some... Some of you might even remember him. His, he went by Donut Man. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> There's a few. So, when I see the Lord. Okay. Um, so we listened to Donut Man. We listened to Steve Green. He does a lot of scripture, and children learn best through song and repetition. So we listened to things like that. But one of the big things that we did is we always just talked about our faith and questions that we had and questions that they had. And it's sort of like... You know, some of us still think that we need to have the talk at a certain age. In our house, we never had the talk. We always talked about it as, as we saw the needs, as questions were happening, if we were watching a television show or a movie that maybe showed something that was inappropriate or not within God's blessings, mm. we would just talk about it then. And so we always talked about our faith. Okay. And part of that, when you teach your children, I remember when uh, one of the churches that I was in, I would have my wife. She was the one that was a sound person and camera person. I'd have my, uh, my middle daughter. She would run and prepare all the slides. I had my son who would play the drums. And then uh, my other daughter would sing with me. So it was really all in the family that uh, we came together. And, and then not only that, we want, I wanted to teach them, you know, the responsibility of getting up early, especially when they had a late night. But that the responsibility we have unto God and worshiping God. And it's, it was so awesome to do it as a family. Uh, and for us, then, the modeling was serving. 
So I grew up in a, in a serving family, so my, I can remember my grandparents and my parents. Uh, they all served in different capacities, and so our boys early on, we wanted to start teaching them that church was not a, a place where you just attended and uh, kind of watched. Uh, it is a, to me, it's a participation uh, activity. Mm -hmm. So getting involved, and getting involved doesn't mean getting up on stage and having a microphone and talking and being a teacher. Um, one of the early on examples that I shared with my boys, um, we had a gentleman at the other church whose name was Mark, and Mark set up chairs every Saturday evening mm. so that Sunday morning when the children's program was ready to start, kids had a place to go. And I remember making the comment, and, and my boys were with me, and I said, Mark, thank you so much for what you do. We can't do our ministry without you. Wow. And he literally, he literally looked at me and he said, Mike, I don't do anything. I set up chairs. And I said, but you need to understand, if you don't set up the chairs, come Sunday morning, I have chaos. <laughs> yeah. So you are an integral part of what we do here. So just setting up chairs is bigger than what you think that activity might be. And that's what we tried to instill to them was no matter how big the activity, it was still important because it was still serving God's Amen. ultimate purpose. And I'm going to just tag on to that. So we have some amazing families in this church who serve together. We have some families that serve together on tech. We have some families that serve together in Kidman. I'm sure there's other, that's just the two areas that are coming into my mind right now. And I think that that is key. Actually, I, I know it's key. I'm big into research and research shows that if your children become, they realize that they are the church, that they don't just come to church to receive, and they, they participate in other ways, they will then continue on in their faith journey. And that's what we see with our boys, that they understand that church is just not a place to put your rear end in a seat and just sit back yeah. and absorb. It is greeting. It is doing parking lot. It is running copies. It is making decorations. It's all those things. Yes, it is. And I think part of you, know, you picked that, uh, you're talking about serving. And I remember I had an opportunity to go with my family, go and serve on missions. And uh, there was a part where it's called group missions where you go there and then they split you up with different groups so that way you can get to know other people from other uh, faiths and also um, I, other denominations really and then you go out and help but when you got together again you actually got to hear the experiences of your children and, and my wife too and but we always think back and say remember when we did this remember when we did that is again showing them the part of serving but you also mentioned the uh, the importance of coming to uh, Church, or you know, or the biblical instruction, right? Uh, you had some some statistics that you wanted to share with us. I do because I love statistics. All right. So are they going up on the screen? They will be up on the screen. Yep. Because <laughs> I don't know that I can remember them all. So uh, several years ago, and it always seems to be it's around vacation Bible school time. I like to talk numbers, and I shared a couple of years ago, and it really hasn't changed that the, the Barna group, that is a group that does research within the faith community, mm -hmm. they did a study and it shows that typically a family attends church less than two times a Sunday. And I also can share with you that we are above that average, but not much. And so 
we're 52, we have 52 Sundays in a year. Are y'all tracking with me? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And then, so if we go by, we only are coming twice a month. That is only 26 Sundays a year that you are in church, that your children or your grandchildren are in church. That equates to 26 hours, hours. Yeah, you're right. a year. And that's actually being generous because sometimes we get a late start and we're not doing total biblical training for that full hour. Now we are disciplining and we are having fun and we are worshiping all within. We're setting that, that faith walk, but it's not actual in the word. But if you look Within a week, there are 168 hours. Now, I've taken out sleep, and I've taken out school, I've taken out sports activities, band activities, dance activities, all those activities that we think are so important. And I've even done it that we go to school year long. That gives us 28 hours a week. That gives you, I'm, I'm saying that you get four hours a day that you get to mold that gift that God has given you. So if you do 28 hours at 52 weeks, that equals about 60 days that you have that you can be the spiritual leader in your home. Amen. Versus about one day a year that the church has with them. This speaks volumes. We, the Kidman leaders, a pastor, we cannot impart all the spiritual goodness that you need, that your children need. We can't do that on a Sunday morning. We're here to partner with parents, partner with grandparents to help you in your walk, training your children up. And so it's about making Christ a priority in your Home. Yeah, that's, uh, that leads us into the, the third part of, uh, of the scripture is to make Christ a, a priority. Uh, so what are some things that, uh, or tools that you can provide parents when dealing with uh, making Christ first? You mentioned about only an hour per, per week, right? Or uh, versus the many other hours that are, are shared. What tools and, and, and programs can you help uh, resources with the parents that are out here? Well, this is the perfect segue to, as we're going into Vacation Bible School. So our content is online. It's a hybrid VBS this year. We are still delivering our content online for parents and families to access anytime during the day. But in that, there is a Bible memory verse. There is a Bible story. There's music. Yeah. But there's also some a, a question of the day. And that, to me, is the ideal setting for you to sit down at the table or when you're in the car driving somewhere. Maybe you're stuck on Swamp Pike. And it you happens. can, you, you know, you know what? I'm going to say get stuck on Swamp Pike this week, right? <laughs> and talk about that. And it's not, it's, it needs to just come into your everyday conversation. It's not like, well, now we got to talk about this. It, it is just something that comes along. On Sundays, we have a lesson in Kidmen. And then in our Facebook, our parent Facebook group, we post Here's what we did, and here's how you can talk to your child about it during the week. 
Those are simple, easy, easy things to do. Yeah, amen, amen. Then some other things that we had done, what, how I still work with your kids, if you're familiar over in Kidman, in fact, some of you that are probably older now were probably in my first grade class, uh, which is kind of always scary when you see them, like, oh my gosh, you're like an adult now. Um, the, um, anybody ever hear of Paul Tripp, author, speaker? Well, his brother, Ted, and this is a book that I still use to this day, wrote a book, um, and so I'm recommending this to parents. He wrote a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And what it really speaks about is the behavior that the child is exhibiting is, an, is, is an, they're exhibiting it from their heart. And that's what the Bible tells us. What comes out here is what's in here. And so when, a, when our children would act out, yes, the easy thing to do is, is to reprimand and correct. But if you don't shepherd that heart, then you're not changing the behavior. And so we would spend time talking about um, what, what came out here was something that was in here. And so I was more important, it was more important for me as a father to find out what was in here than what was coming out of here. Because if I could correct the heart, then I can correct the mouth. Speaking of mouth. <laughs> so our oldest, Taylor, and I think... I don't know if y'all will agree with me, but your oldest tends to take on the father's characteristics, maybe? He does in our house. And um, He always got the last word in. We were living in Memphis. He was about three, and we were beside ourselves because Taylor had a mouth. It just would not stop. It would not and stop. And he always had to have the last word. And we were at our wit's end. I think you're the only parents that have to deal with that. Yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. You know, and it's funny, they call it the terrible twos, but I think sometimes it's the terrible 27s and 25s and the terrible, <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, in that, when we were so beside ourselves, uh, when we were living in Memphis, I remember we were, in fact, I made an appointment to go talk to the Austell family. The Austell family had six or seven kids. I mean, they had like kids galore over at their house and, and they still had a smile on their face. And I'm like, if they could survive that many kids, we can survive, you know, at least one. And so we made an appointment to, you know, go out and uh, have a bite to eat and talk to them about, you know, how, how do they go through this process. So that's kind of tip number one is don't do this on your own. Uh, find families uh, that have the experience and the things that you're going through, and that's the importance of church. You want to find those church family friends that you can go through this journey together. Uh, anyway, I, we, we lamented to them about what was going on with Taylor, and they just looked at us. They, and they were said, not shocked, were they? Yeah, and they said, hmm, he's three? And we said, yes. He goes, we have good news for you. And we're like, what? He goes, he'll soon be four. <laughs> yeah. But so, just that alone, knowing that, okay, this is, this is somewhat normal. We did have to work on his mouth. I mean, that was an issue. But the point was, stay the course, be intentional, you know, uh, and, and just be there. And just, it's just, it's an ongoing, uh, but that's where the relationship is developed with your child. We surrounded ourselves with like-minded families. And in our previous church, where our boys were mostly raised. We, we started coming here when they were in high school. Our previous church, we had a group of friends, and they, we did life together. We camped together. We did, the mamas did Bible study and crafting, and um, we had a, 
a mentor, an older um, woman who came and talked to us about how we should be living life with our husbands, with our families. And that to me was knowing that I was surrounded by people who were just as confused as I was, but who were willing to walk with me and do life with me and help me figure out how to parent. That was key for us. And and for the men, it's just as important to find other dads so that you can support each other. So while the moms were meeting, the dads were out riding motorcycles with the kids. So we were up up into the Poconos. We didn't really know that. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say you had to be transparent with your wife. I said you had to be transparent with your kids. (laughs) So Mike and Amy, we're at the end of our time. Do you have one final advice that you can probably provide for the parents uh, here today? So my final advice is what I started with. God gave us children as a gift, and it's for such a short time. And for me, the most important thing is I wanted Taylor to be the best tuba player in Pennsylvania, but guess what? Even with private lessons and in a top-notch band program, he was not the best tuba player. I wanted Ross, who is our sports guy and a French horn player. Again, private lessons. He was, he never liked to practice. That's a whole other topic about parenting that I would do differently. Um, I wanted him to be the best disc golf player he could ever be. But here's the thing. More important than sports, more important than music, dance, all of that, I want to know that my child has a relationship with Jesus Christ and that he is using all those gifts and talents that God has given him that we helped him discover by playing baseball, by playing golf, by being in band, by taking piano lessons, by acting. I want him to know that He has an eternal life ahead of him, and God placed him here to use all those different gifts to glorify God. And so I think it's parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and and even just mentors that are in our children's lives to help them discover what gifts God gave them and help them understand that God gave them those gifts and they are to use those gifts to his glory. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Mike? Uh, my, I'm wearing my final word, or two words. Okay. I must. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the story where Jesus was found teaching at age 12 in the temple when he was lost for three days. Yeah, I remember right? that. Remember that? Um, those are the last I must are the last recorded words of Jesus before he entered his ministry at age 30. Now, we don't know if, as a teenager, they had to put him in a cellar because we just know teenagers are different people, (laughs) right? And I could only imagine a fully God and fully man teenager running around. That would just be, you know, crazy. But that word, I must, and it's a fascinating story, and it's, it's a reminder to me as a parent because when he was lost, we all, we've all had a child that's been lost, and we go in panic mode. And then when we find them, it is um, it, almost like a, an embrace and then an immediate reprimand. Don't ever do that to me again. You gave me a heart attack. 
But here, Mary and Joseph showed up and they said, why, what, right? And he just said, I must be about my father's business. Mm. And that to me speaks to what we should be doing with our children, which is why I'm so committed to Kidmin. I want them to know that they were designed with a purpose. Psalms tells us that you knew me in the womb. You knit me together. So it's my goal as a parent to help them discover who God created them to be. And when you read that passage, Jesus was on purpose. Jesus knew his mission. But you read Mary's account and Joseph's account. They said, we don't understand. But they put it in their heart. And that's how they then nurtured. So that would be my last thing, is just understand that your children are about their father's business, and it's our role as a parent to help them discover what their purpose is. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, uh, so, amen, amen. The greatest thing here is not the, that your child is not based on the age of them. It's at any moment, if you're a parent, you can still speak with uh, your child about Christ. You can still, but let it be a conversation, not more of a forced, you have to go to church, you got to do this. And, you know, these are grown people, but at the same time, is how you're building your relationship with God and then make it. You mentioned about, you know, the, the talk, but it, it, you didn't really have one, the talk, once and done. It was a gradual, it, it kept on coming up. I think we should do that as parents, too, just remind no matter what their age is, and to make sure we continue to do our responsibility. So come to worship, come to, you know, uh, spiritual nourishment, uh, make Christ a priority, and to teach your children. And we want to come alongside of all of you to make that happen, because Amy mentioned, if we only got 26 hours in a whole year, uh, the, the responsibility is on parents to make sure that we love God, we set an example, and that we also teach and train up our children. Let us pray. Loving and most gracious God, we cannot uh, do what we do as parents uh, if we don't have a great example. I know you mentioned it to set an example. What a great example you have taught us to be as parents to our children. Bless us here today as we have uh, heard the message that uh, even just the heart, the, the, the child at heart of coming with the music and the prayers and, and uh, your word today. Continue to help us, to lead us, and guide us through your precious Holy Spirit to help us knowing that we're not perfect parents, that we are going to mess up, but God, that we can continue to return back to you. And what a great example we are teaching our children that when we do mess up, even though there are consequences, and to own up to our responsibility, to own up to what we have done wrong, but what great example we have when we go to you, God as your children, sons and daughters, that we can come to you and ask for forgiveness and that you give us that forgiveness, that you cleanse us, that you want us to start all over again and we don't have to wait until the morning to make that happen. It could happen in any moment that we come before your presence and that we genuinely and intentionally set ourselves up to submit ourselves to you, come humbly before your presence and to say, here I am, God. So thank you for this service today. We pray for the, this week, for VBS, for the families that are going to do things together, for the leaders and, and, and staff that are going to help out with uh, the, 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 the moment when they go to North Campus. God, let it be a week that people and students and others, everyone, as they serve, that they're able to receive. 
We ask all this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again, Mike and Amy. Truly appreciate it. Amen.